Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you doing today? Alan, I am doing great, man. I'm excited to dive into this episode. Sweetums! If you can't beat them, sweetums. Sweetums. That is exactly right. There you go, man. Yeah, no, this is going to be a fun one to talk about, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this episode. I am, too. You know, I know that we've had episodes where we... uh, introduced Sweetums at, at least as a company or a concept before, but we've definitely never divin, dove, dived. We never dived. went down. <laughs> the, we've never the, we never dived. It's, it's synopsis and dived. Yeah. We never dived yeah. uh, this far down into the world of Sweetums. So I think this is going to be a good one. You know, we already know no, clearly how much Leslie likes candies. Oh yeah. We're, we're going to dive into a sweet candy soaked, uh, gilded, rabbit hole of sweetness today yeah as a matter of fact i'm kind of thankful that sweetums doesn't manufacture a brand of whipped cream because if they did we may never see leslie come out of this (laughs) i think that would be the danger zone for leslie clearly (laughs) and i don't need it either frankly let's just be honest no no i'm done no no I'm getting healthy after this episode. I've decided this is this has reminded me I need to get back on my path to health, and I, I, I'm inspired to do so now. How about you, Mark? Oh, absolutely. You know, I was telling uh, my <laughs> wife this morning. I've I, I've I've outgrown. You my almost latest convinced moo-moo. me there. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, I, my, you know, the the moos are getting a bit tight. Uh, so you know, yeah, it's time to buckle down. <laughs> I just had a flashback to an episode of Modern Family. Anyway, that's for another podcast. All right. <laughs> late to the party. Yeah, late to the party. All right. Well, let's do this. <laughs> Let, let's get into our intro a little bit today. So this this episode is Sweetums, as we mentioned. We are solidly in the second half of season two now, Mark, with episode 15 yes. here. Yep. So we, we, we're, we've, we've passed the halfway point with last week's episode, and we're in the second half of season two. This episode was directed by Dean Holland and was written by Alan Yang. Um, those two oh, folks, we should definitely know who they are by now. Um, Dean Holland is a producer, editor, director. I would go on a limb here and say his influence on Parks and Recs, Parks and Recreation it is right up there next to Amy Poehler and and Mike Schur, um, in that he has directed wow. well over uh, well, he's directed like 20 episodes. He edited 30 or 40 episodes and he produced over like 124 episodes. So I, I don't know how you can be much more directly involved in a show than that without being on screen. Wow. Yeah. 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 It sounds uh, like he was quite the linchpin. Yeah, absolutely. And Alan Yang, on the other hand, who wrote this episode is also a regular producer of the show writer of the show uh, with a couple episodes under his belt as a writer. This happened to be one of them. And on screen talent, he plays Chang, who is the bassist in our favorite band, Mouse Rap. Mouse Rap. Yep. Mouse Rap rules. So, yeah. So a couple really talented folks. I don't know what their recent name is. I I always think of them as Mouse Rat. But, uh, you know, as you and I both know, they have several, several iterations. So I don't know what they are currently. Yeah, I think this week's uh, uh, secret band name could be, I hate having a pickup truck. 
<laughs> well, let's, uh, is that a good segue to AKAs? Well, actually, no, Mark, you're, you're off, you're off plan. I, I am off my game. I apologize. What do we usually do next? Why don't you hit us with the synopsises first? Oh, that's right. That's right. Synopsises. Oh yeah. Here they come. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Are they super sexy today? I feel like you're setting us up. No, I don't know. I'm, I make myself okay. uncomfortable. Um, I think I need child <laughs> Go services. Go put a new to- moo on. <laughs> I'm out of them. <laughs> um, so anyway, <laughs> um, so Alan, I'm, I'm depending on you to, to, to keep me honest here because I actually oh had quite a bit. I know I actually had quite a bit of difficulty trying to figure out what I wanted to, how I wanted to break this down. Yeah. So I, I think that it's safe to say there are at least two. Uh, uh, stories. Yeah, um, there are precisely two. I, I don't think there's much more conversation. Is well, this this may be where we get into trouble. Uh, I think that I, I think <laughs> I went forward and said I I believe there is a third, and I could have tried to make an argument for a fourth, but then I decided that it was not valid. So all right, I'm gonna hear this. So here we go, and you can tell me how I'm wrong. Um, all right. So the first story, and Alan, you know, I I think I'm funny, so I like to come up with titles for my uh, for my synopsises. Um, so yeah, that's gonna be fun. So here we go. I had the A story as sweet, sweet victory. Nice. It's not that funny, but so so the synopsises, Alan, for the A story, uh, sweet, sweet victory. Sweetums is trying to partner with the parks department so that they can market Nutrium bars to park visitors. Ron supports it. Uh, This is consumer choice over public safety. That's his wheelhouse. Leslie initially supports it uh, until Anne points out how bad the bars are for everyone, at which point they both do their best to present uh, the opposite side, including a trip to the Pawnee Library, which should tell you how desperate they are, um, convincing city manager uh, Paul Iresco to hold a public forum kind of as a CYA movement. or motion the, the public forum has them presenting, you know, the, the opposite side of things to the, to the Pawnee public. Uh, and, and Sweetums of course is, is, you know, being very pro, you know, yummy candy. What will happen? Who will win? Hang around and find out dot, dot, dot. Um, okay. So, so far we're in agreement. That is the a storyline. I'll agree with you. Okay. Now I do want to make a note. I, I, I was tempted to say there was a potential subplot here about Leslie kind of, shall we say, mothering Ron. Because in some ways, I felt like it started to take off a little bit. But what I felt is that it was thematically the same as the A story. Um, yeah, it that- is. And I think it's a trope, by the way. I, I'll agree that it's a trope. And we'll get to that later. Okay, fair enough. Um, so the B story, now I was particularly proud of this. This is so horrible. It's awesome. Um, Alan, I don't know if you're familiar with the great, great uh, uh, music artist, Billy Joel. Um, you know, I believe he's, it's William Joel. It's William uh, Joel. Um, so uh, thank you, Dwight. This, <laughs> William Joel. So the B story, Alan, I had titled, now get this, <clears throat> Moving Out, Tomothy's Song. Now, see, okay, you're you're either going to shake your head because that's so horrible, it's awesome, or you're not going to know what I'm talking about. I I do know what you're talking about, and it's pretty bad. This is a play for those of the uh, uninitiated on the Billy Joel song, Moving Out, parenthesis, Anthony's song from the 1977 album, The Stranger. 
Yeah, so. that, that's really good, actually. I mean, it's it's if we were doing a show about Billy Joel, I'd be super impressed the way you tied those two things together. Yeah. And as it turns out, it's just marginally funny. OK, so <laughs> here's my synopsis for the B story. It's okay. it's time for Tom to move out of his home with Wendy, with whom he had he has had a green card marriage all this time. Tom enlists the help of Donna, April, Jerry, Andy, and especially Mark, who has a pickup truck. Poor guy. Leslie encourages Tom to take this opportunity to tell Wendy how he really feels. What will happen? Will he get successfully moved out? Will the gang kill Tom for understating how much crap he has to move? Will Tom tell Wendy how he feels? All will be revealed. Dot, dot, dot. I like it. And as far as I'm concerned, nice job. And as far as I'm concerned at this point, we're done. So this is where maybe we get into trouble. <clears throat> so okay. the, I had I'm intrigued. Yeah, I had I had a C story, which I'm I'm going to petition the judges to see if they accept this. Um, my C story is entitled "Totes, Bro." It's not my best. So here's so here's the synopsis of that. April is clearly into Andy, and agrees to assist with Tom's moving efforts so she can be closer to him. Well, at Tom's house, she shows several signs of enjoying herself around Andy, checking her teeth and dancing. And however, the the rest of the thruple, Derek and Ben, show up later and they kind of mock Andy, which irritates April and possibly confuses her a little bit about how she feels about everyone in general. Which way will she lean? Stay tuned, true believers, and find out. Dot, dot, dot. The judges. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I look it, it yes it's like a, a subplot of the B plot it's like B.2 I guess so here's my rubric I always say this if you can take a story and you take it out of the main story or whatever the main plot line yes. is and it can kind of stand on its own without the main plot line to give it umph, I feel like it's, it deserves to be its own story. That's why I felt like Leslie Ruther mothering Ron couldn't because I felt like thematically it was too similar. This All one, right. I felt like maybe it could because it was really about April being conflicted about Andy and the rest of her nutty thruple. I mean, I agree that this is totally necessary territory for us to cover in order for their relationship to advance beyond this episode. Right. Um, could it have been taken? I don't know. I, I get your point. I'll, I'll say it that way. All right. Uh, you know what? Judges will allow it this week. <laughs> oh, yay. Mark wins the day. Thank you, judges. USA. USA. Okay. So uh, now, Alan, I know that I jumped the gun before. Is it time to go into the AKAs? Yes, Mark. It is now finally <laughs> time to do the AKAs. Yes. All right. Um, what do you think? Do you want me to go first? Um, you know what? I'm going to go first, Mark. Oh, even better. Why don't you go first? I'll do that. All right. Watch this. Here I go. <laughs> Here I goes. All right, Mark. Well, you know, usually I, I come in with the AKAs. I, I do 12 or 13, you know. I know. Uh, just I, I and, and yeah, I know it drives you wild. But this week, <laughs> while there were clearly that many candidates, lots of funny lines in this one, I decided, you know what, too much. I, I'm just going to do one for each of the two official storylines. Now, of course, you've introduced this third storyline that the judges were kind enough to allow. And while I, I will allow it, I, I only have two. So gotcha. that, I'll just, there's my asterisk. Fair enough. Today. Yes. So everyone should always point out what their asterisks are. I know I do. Yes. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah. Anyway, uh, so so from the A storyline, which is our actually, you know what? Let's do this in reverse order. Uh, from the B storyline, which is the Tom is moving plot line, right? Yes. Um, and I've kind of already alluded to it, but I just you know there was a period in my life where I owned a pickup truck. I'm here in Indiana, and, and I think there may be even a law where you have to own a pickup truck at some point in your life. And so I I don't know how you're doing with that, Mark. You may need to go out and buy yours here soon. I'm behind the curve, but yeah, I need to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you need to do that. So, uh, but when you do, this thing does happen. Truly, where people know you have a pickup truck and you are somewhat nearly immediately taken advantage of. And it's why I, it's why I no longer own one. Uh, but Mark's line was, I even hate having a pickup truck. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That, that is my, uh, my B storyline, AKA. I like it. My A storyline, AKA, is actually from one of the public forums, uh, which you got to love Pawnee and its public forums. I, I don't know any place where you really get to see government in action in such a wonderful way. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, but Gretel, <laughs> Gretel is the woman. She's a little beleaguered looking. And uh, they're, they're talking about, it. well, one of them that almost made it was about, um, was about corn syrup, which I just loved. Um, but this one, which we'll save for the breakdown, but this one just says, but isn't all food bad for you? I've been eating lasagna and muffins every day of my life for 40 years and I feel terrible. <laughs> you know, that logic is unassailable. I, it I really is. Yeah. I think Gretel, Gretel may have missed the point. I, I Possibly. like I like that you're enough of a of a Parks and Rec oracle, Alan. That you yeah. you know the names of these 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 never do wells. Uh, the, yes. These these uh, Pawnee citizens that show up at these open forums. Her name's Gretel. Gretel. Yeah. Nice. Gotta love that character name. Sure. It's just so fitting. Yeah. She looks like a Gretel. She does. Man. Mark, how about you? What were your AKs this week? Well, you know. Alan, as you pointed out, you usually have me running scared, so I, I never quite know how far or how little to to, to do with this. But um, I had two, but I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce a, a, a third just as a as a runner up to my main two. Okay, um, you're gonna outdo me this week. I like it. I'm, it. I'm I don't know if I'm gonna do that, but I'm just gonna have more. Um, <laughs> so my 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 runner up. I actually, I don't like it for a thematic AKA, but I like it because it makes me laugh so hard and I don't <laughs> know exactly why. I love this line. Um, at a certain point, Leslie and Anne are, have gone to the Pawnee library, which should show you how uh, you know desperate they are um, to try and get uh, some, some fact finding mission to, to use against Sweetums. And um, they end up, running out of the library and and in the process leslie like pulls over a book card and and she yells back and i quote as they exit the <laughs> library punk ass book jockeys excellent that I, I had marked that one that was in my list of 17 before i decided to do my thing oh my yeah. gosh i mean and it, you know that, so funny. that scene in the library really doesn't have much to do with the rest not really no. so i but it was so so funny um i think i have it down on my list of clips i'd like to play today though just because it is so funny it's hard there are so all the library moments a lot like these public forum moments are just part of what I don't know, stand out to me as memorable, memorable moments from Parks and Rec looking back. That's what gives it this flavor. It really does. Yeah. So my 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 second place um, is, uh, you know, the, there are these series of um, public forums, which 
Paul Aresco, the city manager, let them have for a CYA moment. And we keep on kind of going back and forth between, you know, Tom's moving scenes and the public forum. And during one of them, Nick Newport Jr. and and his his children are there. And and Nick oh, Newport God. Jr. as a as a, a, a kind of a, a symbol or a thing to get the, the audience excited, um, his son, uh, Denver. Uh, kind of pulls a, a page from from Oprah's book and says, "Everybody, look under your chairs!" And everybody gets up, and there's like chocolate and you know Nutri Yums or whatever you know sweet and stuff. And clearly, the crowd's excited. And Leslie says, "And I quote, Denver, you little son of a bitch." <laughs> it's like she's she kind of channels Will Arnett there. She almost becomes a little Batman. It's terrific. But yeah. Very funny. So my, my Denver number one, Dakota. Denver and Dakota, baby. Yeah. Um, my number one, AKA is uh, during, again, during the public forum. And it's, it's there at the very beginning, you know, as, as you mentioned, there are several crazy, crazy Pawnee citizens that had some things to ask uh, Anne. And the very first one made me laugh, which they just simply said, and I quote, if sugar is so bad, how come Jesus made it taste so good? <laughs> which I thought was, was 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 kind of fitting to encapsulate this episode, you know. It so. is. That, that, that was very nearly my uh, my AK for that uh, that subplot. Oh, man. We avoided again, disaster again. We did. Yes. Thank goodness. One of these days. It's going to happen again. You know, we, we barely recovered from the last one. It had it had a ri- ripple <laughs> ripple effects like you wouldn't believe. I talked to some of our our our, uh, our loyal podcast viewers, uh, you yeah. know, in the southern hemisphere. And, and there are some yeah. earthquakes and stuff. But I think things have wow. settled down. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Who knew? Wow. <laughs> it is crazy. All right, Mark, should we move into our breakdown of this awesome episode? Yeah, let's do that. Let's break it down. All right. Well, we're going to open up with a cold open, as we always do. I find it interesting that this week is a non-plot relevant cold open. It's been a while since we've had one of those, but mostly for fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we have um, apparently Justin, Leslie's uh, beau du jour, uh, is, is visiting Leslie at City Hall there. And um, Tom, we, we see a series of jump cuts where Tom is entering the office with various wardrobe changes as tom puts it in a quick talking head he's trying to uh, up his game because you know his divorce is coming and he wants to be there for the ladies and um as he puts it justin justin's my savior he's like an issue of gq that's come to life because you know who's <laughs> he gonna ask for you know wardrobe advice alan is he gonna ask jerry i don't think so no um, I mean, he's got soup stains on his khakis Oh, wears them every single day. But so this is just basically a series of fun junk cut, jump cuts. And he has lots of different crazy stuff. He, you know, sequins, uh, shirts that light up while you're talking like, oh, is my shirt lighting up? I didn't even notice uh, various chain canes like dragon or serpent, dragon or serpent uh, belt buckle that has digital messages on it. Yeah. And they all medallion. have to start with what's cracking. But yeah, <laughs> what's, what's cracking, what's cracking, boo. Yeah. It's too bad they can't change it to what's crack a lacking, but okay. Um, th- he he brought in a, an, an eagle medallion, which then he went, you know, just Ta-ka! to add some sound effect to it. Um, a white leather suit, which uh, that was at the very end. Justin and Leslie yeah. didn't care for it, but Donna kind of digged it. So anyway, Donna Donna liked it. Yeah. Very, very funny cold open. It was a good one. Well, from there, we're going to move into the main episode, and we're going to start this one off with a press conference at Sweetums being led by a guy named Randall, who I assume is like their PR guy. That's why I kind of thought Randall's like their their spokesperson. Um, yeah. 
And, and so it's it's being held. I think it's being held at the Sweden's headquarters, which is in Pawnee, of course, as we all of know. Course. And and Sweden's is announcing to the public their intent to partner with the Parks Department to take over the concession stands in the parks. And I believe what this could possibly going- go wrong. <laughs> Nothing, not a bit. And and specifically, I think they're trying to do this as a marketing move for their new uh, healthy energy bar, mm. Nutri-Yums, where nutritious meets tasty. Um, and, and, you know, they, they show us a very gentle strumming guitar, soft music, heartwarming video with sunshine and lots of people are wearing uh, vests. So, you know, they're, they're healthy, um, starring Nick Newport Jr. and his kids, uh, uh, Denver and Dakota there. And, and especially their dog shoelace. Oh, sh- oh shoelace. Oh. And, and, you know, the crowd is eating it up. They cheer and, and, and they're, they're really into it. Uh, if you can't beat them, sweetums. <clears throat> yeah. uh, Leslie is, is not crazy about corporate sponsorship, but she does respect Sweetums very much as a Pawnee institution because it's been there for nearly 100 years, I think. I think um, that's right. And, and so at this point, she seems to be on board. And not only that, Alan, she's surrounded by candy. So she's going to be in a good mood. Um, now, Ron is totally on board as he thinks the entire freaking government should be privatized. Um, he has, he has a really quick talking head that I thought was funny, you know, where he, again, he's saying, I think the entire government should be privatized. Chuck E. Cheese could run the parks. Everything operated by tokens. Drop a token, go in the swing set. Drop in another token, take a walk. Drop in a token, look at a duck. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love that last one that, you know, what? I would like to look for a duck. I can't pay for it, though. Yeah. Can, can I bum a token? I need to take a look at this mallard. Yeah. No, you better cover your eyes. Uh, That's great. You know, Mark, there was a funny deleted scene here and, it, I, you know, we'd play it, but it was totally visual. Um, basically, at one point, and I think probably post press conference, they've got some, you know, some food out. And of course, in very, very Sweetum style, they, they, it's all candy. And they basically have a buffet and you walk through this line with your little six inch plate and you're loading it up with every possible candy you can imagine. And Leslie is just in heaven. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as a quick aside, Alan, do you have memories of a certain company we used to work for that once a year they'd have like an annual, you know, thing where everyone would go yay and stuff? Do you know what I'm going to say? I, I, I think maybe, but no, probably not. No, they, I they blocked most of that experience from my brain. They basically had a Sweetums esque, very like I mean, just embarrassing amounts of like M and M's, like almost yeah. like the McDonald's uh, ball pit that you can go in if you're. <laughs> I guess you're only supposed to go in if you're a kid. That's why I learned. Yeah, um, you could almost do that with M and M's. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, and I really, really miss it. <laughs> it was a little bit like Stanley and Pretzel Day. It is. I, I expected Willy Wonka to come out and make me very uncomfortable because, you know, he couldn't walk and then he rolls into a jump or something. There you go. And yep. we just had to wait another 364 days to, to get through to the next one. <laughs> yeah. Which is about how long it took me to lose all the weight. Yeah, maybe. Yep. All right. Well, back at City Hall, we see Tom and I think he's buttering up Mark. He's got some sort of agenda. Uh, it, it quickly becomes uh, uh, apparent that uh, Tom is trying to get uh, the, the gang and particularly Mark uh, to help him move. It's just some odds and ends, Alan. It's just not totally not a big deal. Yeah, it's not. Um, 
it's not a big deal. Um, and so he, he particularly targets Mark because, you know, he owns a pickup truck. Lucky oh, him. Bastard. And I know um, I bleep and hate owning a pickup truck. And, um, and, and so as part of it, uh, he also, I mean, as part of his uh, tour to get people to help him, I should say, he visits the shoe shine stand. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's gotten he's, the pickup truck. So now he needs some labor. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Some some dumb muscle. Um, so uh, uh, let, let's get Starlord. That to help. should have been a band name for Mouse Rat. Dumb muscle. <laughs> um, so at the shoeshine stand, we see April hanging out with Andy, which, you know, is getting to be more and more of a thing nowadays. It I'm sure just saying um, this in in traditional uh, goofball manner andy once tom tells him that he's moving he gets really excited and he he begs yeah, tom please. to uh, allow him to help him move. i'm really good <laughs> at it and i use the cardboard for break dancing which who doesn't um and and at this we see april kind of perk up and go well you know i'll, I'll come too and Tom's a little surprised to hear this because an hour ago she told Tom, quote, I'd rather watch a sex tape of my grandparents. But, you know, <laughs> apparently now for some reason she wants to go. Can't it's imagine weird. what it is. But I it is know. sweet that, you know, her, her grandparents still make love. <laughs> I it, That is very, very heartwarming. Yes. It, is. it touches Andy in a certain way. Oh, that touch. <laughs> Stranger danger. Oh, God. Well, from here, Ron and Leslie have obviously been enjoying themselves back at Sweetums HQ. And, uh, you know, Leslie's a little worried about Ron. They have both been enjoying, uh, you know, each in their own way. Uh, Leslie, I think, has been enjoying the copious amounts of uh, candy. Because, yeah. I mean, who wouldn't be happy about that? And, and apparently, in addition to all the, the Willy Wonka-esque amounts of candy, they have an open bar, which Ron is particularly happy about and at a certain point we see you know ron walks up to leslie and he just ah, and downs the last of a whiskey slams the glass down and says okay you know you ready to go and she has like two huge bags full of candy the swag <laughs> and, and she's like yeah just give me your keys and you know basically this irritates ron she, he he tries to tell Leslie us Swansons are you know pre, have a preternatural high tolerance for alcohol, yeah. But re, Leslie re, refuses to but I mean she's not mean about it. She's she's very polite but firm as yeah. she usually is, and she's like, no, I, I I'm sorry, Ron, I can't let you do this, and you know you'll be sobered up in about an hour, and then I think they end that scene with her sitting on the roof of his car, yeah. And he's like blowing the horn at her, like <laughs> get off the car, woman, but. <laughs> I love that she carries around the little chart, you know, based on body weight, your, you know, and your height, you know, you need this long to process two alcoholic drinks. And how many has Ron even had? Right, right. Yeah. Well, and, and plus it teaches you to play blackjack on the other side, which is always useful. Yeah. You know, there was a pretty funny deleted scene here where I think we walk up to Leslie at the bar at one point and, you know, Ron is drinking and uh, so is Leslie, but Leslie is drinking a bubble gum teeny. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just, I think seltzer water and bubble gum syrup. Ron's having a scotch and Leslie immediately goes butterscotch. No, just scotch. Just scotch. (laughs) Well, then I think Ron, you know, very gallantly uh, orders, orders Leslie. Um, gosh, what was it? A, some sort of like a new, a nougat teeny. Yeah. Nougat teeny. Yeah. Something with nougat in it. And she yeah. was like, oh, that sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the next day at City Hall and we're there and Leslie has arrived at work to find Ron kind of waiting for her. He, he, he clearly wants to engage Leslie as soon as she walks in. It's, it's probably pretty rare for Ron to be an early arriver, I would imagine. Certainly earlier than Leslie. Yeah, but the, I think to, he but, went out of his way today. 
yes, I think you're right. But he's waiting for her with a beautifully crafted harp. And, and you know, Leslie greets him like, oh, what's, what's that? Ron very smugly tells Leslie that when he got home that night, he drank six more glasses of whiskey. And then he made this beautiful harp. And he proves this with photos of himself drinking the whiskey, plus yesterday's newspaper as if he was kidnapping the whiskey. So I'm not sure what he was doing there. But, you know, he's like you said, Alan, he's obviously trying to make a point. Leslie, I think maybe is either a little oblivious to the point Ron's making or just yeah. ignores it. And just as she said, this is a beautiful harp. I feel like I'm in a spa. And then she walks away and Ron is like, not happy. Like he feels like she hasn't acknowledged whatever it is he's trying to get across. Yeah. I, I think she's oblivious. One, she's holding this giant basket of Sweetums candy, which we'll get back to in a minute. So she may be <laughs> kind of maybe focused on that, but uh, right. he's talking about things like, sp- you know, band saws and spoke shaves and oscillating spindle sanders. And I don't think Leslie even knows what any of that stuff is, but she's missing this point. Right. What even is that stuff? I don't know. Well, I don't know. I, I know you have all that stuff in your garage. Yeah. I need to get it out one of these days and actually use it. Isn't that right next to the chair you use as a ladder? <laughs> it is stupid chair. <laughs> I need to fix the leg on that chair so that I can use it as a ladder. <laughs> oh man. Well, from here, Mark is trying to figure out the moving details with Tom. I think he comes into the office and says, look, you know, the pickup truck's ready for tomorrow. Uh, you know, how, how are we going to do this? This is this is kind of a, a short series of, of things here. Uh, Tom hasn't put any thought into this at all. You know, he hasn't gotten any furniture pads. He hasn't gotten any dollies. He, as a matter of fact, the, I think the mover he does that. Yeah, it's like I'm not a mover. I'm a poor schmuck who has a pickup truck. I'm like, oh, don't talk about yourself like that. But bring coffee. <laughs> like Tom, I'm gonna punch you right in the face. Uh, um, should. Leslie also, we have just a quick, quick little exchange between Leslie and Tom and, and Leslie's urging him say, look, you know, time is running out. Like you get on this. You need to tell Wendy how you feel. And Tom just kind of says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You know, I'm, I'm waiting for the right time. So, you know, Leslie's doing what she can to kind of usher that along. And instead Tom's attention gets shifted to the large uh, yeah. tray of complimentary, uh, I think they're a Nutri-Yum bar. Maybe there are other things, but I think mainly they're a Nutri-Yum bar. It's a basket basically of, of Nutri-Yum bars, but, but he does the shiny object thing. I think he's trying to change the, the topic here. What's yes, that over I, there? I think you're right. So then the, for the next, you know, 30 seconds or whatever, it consists of, of the gang in the bullpen uh, sitting down around this tray and just going on and on about how amazing everything that, that uh, Sweetums does is just, you know, knock it out of the ballpark. Um, and it was interesting to me, Alan, I know I've mentioned this before. I thought I saw a tiny bit of the uh, April Jerry uh, animosity here um Me too. And, and i know it's tough to to miss that because like you could just dismiss it as a pbj what i find interesting is every now and again jerry gets a, a little bit of a backbone like kind of stands uh, not a lot just a yep. little bit but more than he usually does so i kind of feel like him and april just like have a little bit of an antagonistic thing going there he says terrific after someone else has already said amazing and she's like terrific's not more amazing or more than amazing jerry he says well it's not less right I mean, the fact that he talked back at all instead of going, gosh, guys, come on, you know, right, which right, is right. what you would expect. Anyway, it was kind of nice. Yeah. 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 And I love that Andy believes that Nestle Crunch Bars are healthy because they have the rice in them. That that was my takeaway. What not rice healthy? Yeah. Sure. 
Yeah, that's what I thought. Even if it is surrounded by 400 calories worth of chocolate. Look, that's why I have Nestle Crunch Bars for breakfast, because they're healthy. <laughs> Do they snap, crackle, pop when you put them in milk? <laughs> I don't know. I don't waste my uh, calories on something as healthy as milk. There you go. Mumu says what? <laughs> uh, sorry. Well, a little later, we see Ann walk into the bullpen and... Um, I think people are maybe a little extra at this point. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to put it. You like that? Yeah. Yeah. You, the kids, they get you, uh, Alan. You're they an do. iconoclast. Um, yeah. So a little bit later, as Alan said, Anne is visiting the gang. She walks into the bullpen and everyone's a little extra. Everyone seems really hopped up. Um, and, you know, the gang is telling her how amazing the, the Nutri-Yum bars. And, and uh, but after reading the ingredient list uh, and tells them, oh, my gosh, this is this is horrible. Like the, the, these bars are horrible for you. Um, I love the kinetic energy, though, as she's kind of heading over to read this label. You know, Tom shoots by Jerry's at his desk, kind of air drumming like everyone is just going a little bit nuts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Leslie, it's interesting. Leslie tries to defend the bars a little bit because she thinks she's kind of hopped up too. Yeah. Um, and she, says, she may be addicted. Look, they have a picture of Lance Armstrong. They, <laughs> <laughs> they have to be healthy. They have to um, be. And, and, you know, as often as the voice of reason, especially for Leslie, uh, she patiently points out, look, you're all on sugar rush. You're going to crash soon. Anne has an interesting talking head here that kind of reminded me to uh, a, a talking head that Fred Armisen had in Sister City, where she's pointing out, you know, she, Anne says, I like to stay out of other people's business, but Pawnee is the fourth most obese city. Uh, you know, uh, the kids here are beefy. They're husky, big bone, plus size chunk monsters. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself that not only is that funny, that kind of reminds me of his little diatribe. It does, yeah. 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 I like that. Yep, that's um, a good callback. And and we end the scene just very quickly. A little bit later, sure enough, everyone's crashing, everyone's yawning. Leslie is nearly unconscious at her yeah. desk, and Anne is apparently standing by, has to hit her with a spray bottle. <laughs> well, the almonds didn't work. No, no. <laughs> that's a wiggle. Ah, ah. Uh, another excellent creative use of a spray bottle. I love it. Yep. Well, from here, we're going to go visit the evil, evil Pawnee Library. And I think we're going to meet another librarian. I think it might be the first time we've met anyone in the library outside of Tammy. Oh, you know what? I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, we see um, Leslie and, and Anne are at the dreaded library. Um, I, I think they're doing some reconnaissance on Sweetums, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think Anne's convinced Leslie Eh, you know what? Th these may not be as healthy as I originally thought. You know, we better do some research. Um, and they found a couple films. Leslie doesn't want to go through checkout. She just wants to like put them under her shirt and just run out. But Anne convinces her, okay, let's go through the front desk. Well, the, the, the librarian, the clerk, uh, Marcy, I think is her name, um, instantly recognizes Leslie and the two start engaging immediately oh, in some, some verbal, uh, sparring there. And, um, <laughs> Mars, Marcy, Marcy finally tells Leslie, like, this is weird. You have a $40 late fee on Mysteries of the Female Orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> she breaks the shouting in the library rule. I think she certainly fun. does. Yeah. And that and now Leslie's had it. She's mad. So she goes, 
grab the movie and grab the movie. And she and Anne grab the films and they run out. And then that I already gave my AK. Yeah. She, she grabs on her way out. She grabs a book chart and pulls it over. So the books spill over the floor and she goes, punk ass book junkies, which just makes me laugh. Uh, that's a great scene. Uh, I, I did love some of the dialogue between her and Marcy. Marcy says something about they're, they're finally teaching you people in the parks department to read. And then uh, Leslie comes back with, well, you're pretty cocky for somebody whose job is about to be obsolete because of the internet. <laughs> and, then, then, and then Marcy says, oh, they're teaching you to read. Oh, no, they're not. It's a movie. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so they aren't even doing that. Yeah, I, I like their verbal sparring. I agree. Yeah, good stuff. Well, I think the next scene, we're back at City Hall and, and Ron and Leslie are meeting with Paul. And I think they're trying to decide whether or not they're going to move forward with this Sweetums deal with the Parks Department. Yeah, I, I think at this point, Paul is kind of expecting, you know, are you guys good? Like, should we just should we go forward yeah. with it? Yeah. And Ron says, yep. And Leslie says, well, no, we're a little bit concerned. And, you know, Leslie sidebars <laughs> with Ron. She likes to do that. So Leslie sidebars. sidebars. And she yeah. tells him, look, the, the bars are unhealthy. And Ron tells Leslie, I don't care. We're doing it. Yeah. Um, and then Leslie presses him a little bit. And Ron's a little irritated at this. But basically, this is this is Ron thematically, right? This is. He cares about the people's right to consume what they want, you know, That's ultimately right. valuing uh, personal freedom over over yeah. public safety. So, of course. Uh, OK, where, where Leslie sees this as possibly an unholy alliance. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Leslie suggests to Paul that they hold a public forum. And I think she manages to do it because Paul views it as a strategic CYA. Move. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this makes Ron even more mad. Yeah. Which and then well, because this is the other side of Ron, right? I mean, he he is all about the individual freedoms here and he doesn't like the government side of things, which, you know, there's a little bit of, of this whole, you know, alliance thing that I think personally Ron might not be a big fan of because he hates government so much. But but here Paul's clearly being a, a politician, which he's good at. And he he likes this yes. whole idea of the CYA. Yes. Uh, and I just think that makes Ron even more mad. I, I think you're right. Yeah, he he doesn't he doesn't understand this at all. He just thinks this is a home run. The fact that we're even that we're dithering at all and doing this is just he thinks it's ridiculous. You know, even more of a waste of the taxpayers' money. Blah blah blah. Yep. Oh, good point. Well, from here, I think we're actually it's finally moving day. We're at Tom's house the following day, and um, you know, Tom may have uh, not really been prepared for this. <laughs> I think you're right that the gang gets at Tom's house and, and you know, they, they find a couple of things right away. He, number one, Tom is way uh, understated how much stuff he has. It's not yeah. just odds and ends. It's odds and ends surrounded by lots of other crap. Yeah. Um, yes. And, and B he, as you said, he hasn't prepared for anything. He hasn't even folded up the boxes that, you know, they're just like these flat planes of cardboard. He's like, ah, oh, you know, you He's guys packed do nothing. Like, uh, yeah. He, He's brought all these people there. He has put zero effort into this, which we'll find out even more. I, I have to say this. Um, I, I love my sister. Uh, <laughs> and I know she doesn't listen to this podcast because why would she want to hear any more from me? Right. But should this happen to be the one episode she comes across, just know <laughs> that I do love you. But this totally reminded me of the nine times I've helped her move. She knows how I am. She knows I would have preferred that 
I show up to a stack of neatly organized boxes, fully prepared and ready to simply load and leave. I've never, ever experienced that anytime I've ever helped anyone move, let alone my sister. You know, I've been fortunate enough to have most of the people I've helped move at least prepared to some degree. But I think I think almost all of us can at least remember one yeah. time when this is extreme but it, everyone's experienced extreme. something like this right yes. like dude couldn't you have done something more like come yeah. on i'm spending my time anyway yeah, yeah. um so basically the, the the gang it seems like the gang in general um keeps getting distracted by by little things here and there like andy sees a copy of deep blue sea greatest movie ever made and uh Mark just keeps on Mark. Here's the voice of reason almost like he's the one kind of pushing them forward. Like, come on guys, let's get through this. Let's get through this. Cause I think he's prepared to do most of the work. I mean, he has the pickup truck. Um, they finally get to a, a back room, which Tom has a huge amount of stuff in, which he claims he had converted into a, a walk-in closet slash home fitness center. Um, and, and this Alan is where we see Tom has strapped an MP3 player to the top of one of those nutty uh, floor cleaning robots there and calls him DJ Roomba. Yep. Love it. Uh, our first introduction. And Tom turns on DJ Roomba and everyone starts to jam a little bit and starts cutting up and Mark's getting disgusted. He just kind of walks <laughs> out of the room. So <laughs> I love it. Yeah. You know, Mark, there's a deleted scene here that I, I really, one of the ones I liked, and we'll talk about them, you know, just in summary later, but one of my favorite deleted scenes from this episode actually happened here. And when he, when, when they first walk into this walk-in closet slash small bedroom that's con been converted into, you know, uh, a place for Tommy's digs, um, <laughs> which is a little bit of a foreshadowing I love. Yep. But anyway, um, you're right. We, not only do we meet DJ Room, but we find out that not only does he have a solo flex, but he also has a a Bowflex because <laughs> you know and and Andy says have you ever used them both at the same time and he says well yeah once when I was drunk <laughs> yep <laughs> how even would that work I don't know I don't, I don't know but this is another and, and this episode had several connections to the office that I really enjoyed uh, the little spray bottle was one of them the the Dwight like line earlier that I really enjoyed and this is another one if you ever go into the episode dinner party where we go out into Michael's garage and we see all his belongings yep. out there because, you know, Jan will allow them to be in the house. Michael also owns a solo flex and a bow flex. Yeah. He owns best both. of both worlds. Yeah. 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 Terrific. All I can tell you is that that one time that Tom was drunk and he, he used both. Woke up the next morning. His pecs were ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> that was a funny scene. <laughs> I would have kept that one in personally. Yeah. All right. Well, from here, we're going to bounce over to the public forum. It's kind of kicking off and, and Anne is opening up to the crowd and, and telling them some things that she thinks they need to know. You know, Mark, should we play this clip? Yeah, let's go for it. Let's do that. Nutrium's energy bars are just absolutely loaded with high fructose corn syrup and fatty oils. And any way you slice it, they're just extremely unhealthy for you. Leslie needs to butt out. The whole point of this country is if you want to eat garbage, balloon up to 600 pounds and die of a heart attack at 43, you can. You are free to do so. To me, that's beautiful. Any questions? If sugar is so bad, how come Jesus made it taste so good? Uh, yes. But isn't all food bad for you? I've been eating lasagna and muffins every day of my life for 40 years, and I feel terrible. Right. What's so bad about corn syrup? It's natural. Corn's a fruit. Syrup comes from a bush. Oh, boy. 
How do we know you're really a nurse? I am. I promise. I work at St. Joe's. Well, the point is, my friend thinks you're cute. Give me your number so he can have it. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. Can I have your email address? Oh I my just God. got on AOL. No. I think we ought to throw those bars out and eat ham and mayonnaise sandwiches. That's not a good idea. Ham and mayonnaise. No. Ham and mayonnaise. No, no, no. Ham and mayonnaise. Ham and mayonnaise. I can't believe you do this every yeah. week. I actually encouraged. The questions were more relevant than usual. Oh, my God. <clears throat> Another great public forum by the citizens of Pawnee. I love that. Um, There's so much to love there. there. There really is. I mean, that could have been the source of like five or six AKAs, just Easily. that scene right there. Um, and, and I like that. Anne. not that I felt that she deserved this. I don't mean this in that sense, but it, it was fun to see Anne just because it was different, be the recipient of the crazy, yeah. crazy crowd, as opposed to like the normal uh, yeah. uh, recipients like Leslie or maybe sometimes Ron or whatever. Yeah. And Leslie's like, they're actually on point today. Like they're <laughs> they're actually doing pretty good. You know, <laughs> I, I've gotten to the point where that's if I really want to win an argument <clears throat> like with with my wife or with my brother or something, I'll just sum it up by saying, oh, yeah, come on. We both know it's true. Corn is a fruit and syrup comes from a bush. And they're just like, what? Like, thank you. Drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> syrup comes from a bush. I love that. <laughs> I also uh, like the guy asking for uh, for Ann's number. It just, just it seems so yeah. awkward and stilted. Yeah. The point is, my, that. My, my, my friend thinks you're cute. Give me your number so that he can have it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can, can, look, can I at least have your email? I'm on AOL now. I just got on AOL. <laughs> yeah. Congrats. Uh, that's terrific. I really do like Ron's uh, uh, talking head, which I think has become a famous uh, meme and, you know, in, in lots of ways where he's, he's like, the, you know, to me, this is beautiful. The whole point is you can choose what you want to do. Yeah. I mean, you do whatever you need to do and die at 43. That's your freaking choice. Yep. Merka. Merka. Damn straight. <laughs> well, after the forum, or at least at a pause here in the forum, I think more accurately, we're going to bounce back to the to Wendy's house. I've come to call it Wendy's house instead of Tom's house because I had right. a realization. Right? Yep. Uh, he's moving out. She's staying. I'm guessing she's a successful doctor. This is her house, and he's basically been living there as part of this green card marriage. Uh, but you know, since there's no romantic connection, you know, he's moving out. No, it's it's like it's Timothy's song. Yeah, he's moving out. Um, oh my god! I know, I know. No, you're you're right, Alan. In my notes, I kept calling this Tom's house, but I think you're exactly right. I think this is Wendy's house. So at this point in the moving, you know, I guess they've got things kind of packed up enough inside in boxes or baskets or whatever that they're starting yeah. to walk out and bring it out to the vehicles. And so we just see this this line of people just carrying stuff out, carrying stuff out. Tom is not helping at all. No. And I suspect he didn't pack a single thing in the house either. So that maybe oh, those think, pocket squares. I think you're right. Those poor, poor pocket squares. Um, <clears throat> at a certain point, Mark carries a box out, comes over to Donna's baby, her vehicle, and which it looks like from the camera's perspective, I think Donna has very carefully put one single yeah. box, one in, box. In, in this big, sturdy, yeah. strong, you know. Perfectly uh, centered over the SUV. rear axle. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and and uh, Mark comes over and says, well, Donna, where do you want this? And she's like, no, 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 no I'm done. My, my baby has a delicate suspension, which Mark <laughs> is just looking at her in disbelief. And Tom's like, 
dude, Brandanowitz, put in your, your your pickup truck has plenty of room. And the camera goes over to his pickup <laughs> truck and we see this this literal it tilts up mountain of, of, of miscellaneous crap. I mean, it is towering way beyond the height of the truck. And, and at the end, April kind of punctuates this by throwing a box on top of what I'm going to call Mount Crapmore, <laughs> the back of his yeah. truck. And then that's, you know, it kind of tumbles down and that's where Tom goes, my, my, my pocket protectors, my pocket squares or your pocket squares. Yeah. Pocket squares. Yeah. Uh, A pocket protector is what you wear. Tom wears a pocket square. That's how you're different. Oh boy. So we take a pause in the moving activity and we're back at the public forum. And we're, I think the crowd is watching a video that's been provided by Randy and the team at Sweetums. Yeah, I, I think it's the same movie with, you know, Shoelace and the dog and, and Dakota and Denver. And, you know, that we saw at the very beginning that's very heartfelt and everybody's wearing vests. So, you know, that they're healthy. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, the, the, and the audience, as before, is applauding. They love they're eating it up, no pun intended. And then. When that video is over, Leslie steps up and she has a video to show. And this time it's one of the, I think this is one of the two films that they found at the dreaded Pawnee library there. And this one shows a 30 year old uh, Sweetums film uh, featuring a cigarette smoking, a black and white uh, film, uh, a cigarette smoking Nick Newport senior. I assume it's Nick Nick Newport senior. Um, It is played by the same actor who's going to play him even later. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Nicely done. He'll be a much older man when we see him again. But yeah, this is a terrific throwback. And, and you know, I, I won't go into the, his whole spiel, but, you know, he's basically talking about how this this new fancy uh, miracle product, uh, high fructose corn syrup, it's great. It's cheap to produce and it's sweet <laughs> and it's used by farms to fatten up those cows and pigs. Alan, look at how fat those cows are. Ah, Fat and happy and docile. Camera goes to the audience just the way we'd like them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not hitting uh, it too much on the head. That's how I woke up this morning. Fat, um, happy, and docile. Mm, mm. And so at the end, R- Randall uh, is not deterred by this at all. And instead, he's going to play his ace up his sleeve. No. Uh, he calls down in, in person. Mr. Nick Newport Jr., as I call him, NNJ, um, who has arrived in person along with his adorable, adorable kids, Denver and Dakota. And everyone applauds and cheers. It's so sweet. Uh, So things are not going, I think, real well for Leslie and Ann just yet. I think that the Sweetums people are kind of steamrolling them with like marketing hype and pizzazz. Well, from here, we, we bounce back and we're, I think we're going to, we're going to finish up the move at Wendy's house. Um, and April and Andy are having a little moment by themselves here. Cute little moment. Yeah. It's, you know how it is when you get a drink from the hose and the person holding the hose, you know, like squirt you with it and you go, stop, Aww. stop. It's all cold and stuff. And so April is having that very playful moment with Andy and, and uh, all of a sudden uh, Derek and Ben walk up out of nowhere and, you know, Andy, I like the Andy in this episode. He's kind of the the cheerful goofball, which is the Andy I like. And so yeah. Andy cheerfully greets him and gives him high fives. And, um, you know, before he goes back to work and they appear to be s- smugly amused at his at his, you know, antics and shenanigans, like like kind of like. Like they're mocking him a little bit. Um, Derek like says goodbye to him by going later, bro, you know kind of giving a little dig there. Um, 
and and Derek and Ben, you know, greet April and give her a little kiss on the cheek. And she doesn't seem real excited. Like maybe she's a little bit conflicted at this point. Yeah, I think she's starting to maybe see that Derek and Ben are uh, not quite who she wants to hang out with now that she's starting to enjoy time with Andy. I don't know. She's conflicted. It's clear, yeah. pretty clear. Yeah. Derek and Ben is jerks. <laughs> they is. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's how you do it when you do the thruple thing. I think that's a singular. I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right. The, anyway, the end of this, there, there's a really, really quick scene, but a sad scene uh, inside yeah. of, of, of Tom's house. Well, he's saying goodbye to Wendy, who I think maybe snuck in the back because I don't think the rest know that she's there because I don't think anybody besides Leslie and and Ron know that it was a green card marriage. So I think everybody correct. there yeah. thinks that it was a yeah. marriage that just didn't work. We know this for sure in one of the two deleted scenes that I wanted to mention between Wendy and Tom. This is the first of the two. And she literally says that she snuck in through the side door. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. that, that makes more sense. Yep. And you know, it's, it's, it's kind of poignant It's you know, Wendy, Wendy has always been really nice and really, you know, I think that she genuinely likes Tom as a friend. She thinks he's funny and nice. And of course really appreciates what he's done. And, you know, she says, it's kind of sad. It's the end of an era. And, you know, you're hoping that Tom will take this opportunity to like, say something and he and he doesn't instead he just kind of does the tom thing and plays it off as uh, casual and you know so they awkwardly smile and say their final goodbyes and wendy walks out and it's just yeah. it's heartbreaking you know you just see tom just miserable you know just because he can't bring himself to say anything nope it's the end of an era it really is yeah they're going to celebrate with a pizza with uh you know some uh, Canadian bacon because she's from Canada yep. and a little bit of sausage because he's brown and spicy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, in that deleted scene as well, uh, she she mentions, uh, you know, that she's going to order the pizza and then get out of there before her friend, his friends see her. So that's how we know that, oh, this was, you know, okay. kind of her yeah, on the down low, so to speak. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. OK. Yeah. And she pays for the pizza, which I thought was important to note, because otherwise Tom is never going to buy this much pizza for these people because he's cheap. Right. Yeah. Right. So it cleared that up for us, too. And, <laughs> uh, you know, the official storyline that got aired. So nice. Yeah. Well, from here, we bounce back to the forum and I think we're going to wrap up. And, you know, Leslie is uh, polite, polite, but she's she's going to still confront Nick Newport Jr. on his shenanigans here. Right. Right. Leslie's Leslie's M.O. is being polite, but but firm, you know, which is, I, I like when she's like that. She's not being mean or anything like right. that. Um, so she confronts NNJ, Nick Newport Jr. and says, well, look, that's th not going to stick. I'm just going to tell you right now. Says NNJ. And then she asks NNJ, uh, thank you for coming there, NNJ. But but I, I do think that people maybe should have a right to know what they're putting in their bodies. And, and NNJ, uh, Nick Newport Jr. there, says that he agrees with her. She, he agrees with this nice lady. And he thinks that they should let the people be the judge. And that's when his son Denver pulls out their real ace in the hole. And he says, everybody, look under your seats. And everybody gets up and they find, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming they're all Nutrium bars, but who knows? They may have had chocolate coins. I don't know what they had taped under there. Yeah, and it's then, hard to know. And then you hear Leslie Dubai, a.k.a. Denver, you little son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to point out, I love that if you if you watch this carefully and you kind of see this over Leslie's shoulder, there's not a really good camera shot. But you notice that Ron gets up and he arguably is the most excited one in the whole room that maybe he, oh, yeah. he too 
Lou has something under his chair. Oh, he's, he's just he's like a little thrilled. kid. Oh, yeah. He's like a little giggly kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, if you zoom in on the scene and you look, there are basically cellophane bags full of candy is what has been taped underneath the chair. So they're, they're not only getting, they're getting quite a bit of little sweet treats from Sweetums there. Nice. I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. Nifty gifties, as Michael would say. Nice. Yeah, nice callback. I like yeah, that. Well, so from here, we, you know, obviously Leslie has, I think, lost this round. We'll wrap that up here in a second. We're going to jump back to the to the house real quick and tragedy strikes. Oh, this is this is almost as poignant as almost. as, as uh, yeah. the end the of end the, of the Wendy, Wendy uh, Tom relationship. It yeah. really is. Yeah. 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 Well, the gang are taking a, a pizza break. You know, they've worked hard. They got this uh, Canadian bacon, spicy brown sausage pizza that has been ordered and they're taking a pizza break. They're listening to DJ Roomba. He's playing the music as is his wont. And um, Jerry, <laughs> Jerry walks up and he's annoyed, not only Alan, because there's no pizza left, but he was never told it arrived in the first place. So he's a little grumpy, like walks yeah. away, shaking his head. And yeah. he accidentally steps on, on purpose. DJ Roomba. Tom believes it's on purpose. And then the, Tom Poor Tom. He said, you killed him. I built him myself. He was like a son to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think it's an accident, but, you know, we needed our big dose of punching back Jerry. And I think we just got it. Oh, yeah. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. We'll bounce back over to the forum. We're going to wrap this thing up. You know, Leslie and Ron, they're ready to call this thing to a vote. Yeah, there's not a lot that happens in this scene. Um, you know, Ron and Leslie prompt the audience by by show of hands to to vote. You know, do you want to keep the the the, the stupid snack bars by the bloated yeah. government uh, corpse there, or do you want to let Sweetums <laughs> pump sugary crap into your kids? Well, they clearly want Sweetums to pump sugary crap into their kids. I mean, it's overwhelming, yeah. like ninety nine percent. Yeah. Well, Ron is giddy at this moment. He just loves that. You know. The, the freedom of choice, so to speak, has has uh, won the day. Um, and and Anne and Leslie are disappointed, but, you know, Leslie tries to just stay the course and says, you know, we did our job. You know, we, we informed the public. That's that's all we can do. I mean, what else can you do? I mean, you give them the information. They get to make their choice. They're adults ish. That's and, right. Uh, you ish. move on. Yeah. Ish. Well, from there, now that, you know, Leslie has experienced this and Anne have experienced this defeat, um, we're going to move back over to Wendy's house. And uh, again, tragedy kind of strikes to some degree. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, definitely a complication to say the least. So at this point, we're we're outside. We see an outside shot. It's now dark. Um, Everything's packed up. The gang's outside. I think they're ready to like rock and roll and actually start driving to the new location at this point. Tom is on the phone. We find out with his uh, with a landlord from his new place and his landlord tells him, dude, there's I'm sorry, there's a gas leak and you can't move in until Monday. And Tom tells the gang this and and they're looking at him like, what? Like you. So what do you want us to do? And he very reasonably suggests, can you just look? I, I got it. Can you just please, you know, just kind of sort of just real quick. Can you just take my stuff? Take it back to your house, unpack it. Not a big deal. And then when when it, when Monday comes, can you just kind of you know real quick, just like kind of like repack it on, and then meet me at my new house. Like, That's all sure. we really need to do. Yeah. <laughs> now <laughs> they just dump his stuff in his office at City Hall, which <laughs> makes a lot more sense. Um, 
So we we see you know the end of the scene is is the gang has gotten done uh, uh, putting his stuff in his office, his and Leslie's shared office uh, at yeah. City Hall, and so we see them again. It's late, and so they're like, "Okay, good night, Tom." You know, they're all ready to go home. They're tired, um, and we see a scene with um, with the thruple. April and Derek and Ben kind of walking yeah. in the hallway together yeah. and Derek and Ben are now openly mocking Andy, you know, oh, yeah. Hey bro, want to get our grub on totes, bro, wings and brews, you know, and April's getting a little pissed at him. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, then she say like, what are you guys doing? They're like, well, we're just chillaxing like your boy, bro, like your, your bro, Andy. Right. Right. And, and she does not think they're funny at all. And, and, yeah. you know, in, in their defense, they say, why are you being weird? Like that's, that's what we do. You know, yeah. we, we make fun of people like that. It's not like kind we're deviating. as a threesome. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. this is, it's kind of, this kind of interesting. Like you see a little bit of a change or a conflict here. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little personal growth, dare I say. Maybe. Bihar? Yeah. Yeah. Well, from here, we're going to go over to, I believe, the Boardwalk Lounge. This got set up in one of the deleted scenes, you know, there at the, when we were back at city at the, uh, the, the public forum and the vote had gone Ron's way. He's a little bit smug and he like invites a bunch of people over for steaks and cigars, as long as they're not Leslie, basically. Uh, but, you know, now we're here, we're at the Boardwalk Lounge and guess who walks in? Yep. Well, Leslie and Ann go to, uh, I think they go there to talk to Ron. Like that's the reason that they're there. I think so. And as you said, Ron's kind of having like a post, uh, <laughs> post victory celebratory uh, dinner with uh, NNJ, Nick Newport Jr. And, and some other guy and, and, and some other, a couple other, I guess, Sweetums yeah. personnel or whatever. Yeah. The um, lackeys, lackeys, they're NNJ lackeys. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Hangers honors, um, <laughs> uh, like entourage, like turtle. Um, anyway, oh so, so in particular, we see that Ron is enjoying whiskey, a cigar, and what he lovingly calls turf and turf, which he is, he then says is a 16 ounce T-bone melded uh. somehow with a 24 ounce porterhouse. <laughs> um, and, and he's being a little bit of a jerk here, uh, yeah, more than bit. just a little bit. It, he, he repeatedly shoves it in Leslie's face. You know, I, I know that all this is bad for me, but I am doing it anyway because I am a free American and I am free to do so. And like, oh, Jesus. Okay. Yeah, you're free to eat 40 ounces of freaking cow. Mm. I, I got to tell you, um, yes, I'm a vegetarian for a long time. But even when I wasn't, I don't know that 40 ounces of cow was all that appealing to me. Well, you know, we we visited this in another episode, Alan. I think if I was going to do that, I would have to have steak through a straw. <laughs> now you're talking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, the, the end convenience of, the, of nothing else. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? So the, the end of the scene is Leslie finally gets him alone at, at the bar. And she says, "If again, this is the Leslie M.O., it seems to me. She's polite, yeah. but she's firm. She goes, first of all, you're being a jerk. Not with a lot of heat even, but she's just telling yeah. him, look, you're, you're yep. being a jerk. And second, I'm, I'm taking off. I'm, I'm out. So it, here's the booze chart. I think that if you're going to drink, you should still use it, which is still kind of sweet. You know, she's yeah. still concerned about him. and she's heading out. And then she she starts to walk out and she pauses briefly and turns around and says, look, uh, if you keep up with all this, you know, you can't eat eight pounds of steak a day because uh, <laughs> you, you will die. And I've, yeah. I, by the way, I've already written your eulogy and it's awesome. And it's, 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 you know, heart moving, but I would like to not have to give it for a while. 
and Leslie walks out. And it, it captain, seems, my captain. It, oh, captain, my captain. Yep. And it seems to me that Ron, they had a last shot of Ron, and he's now looking a little thoughtful and and, uh, and pensive yeah. there at the bar. That's at least the way I interpreted it. I, I took it that way too. I take it. I took it that he had finally kind of appreciated for a brief moment, finally what Leslie was trying to do there. And I think she's starting, he's starting to see her through the same lens that we've been talking about now in this arc for the last few weeks where Leslie is kind of like this, you know, caring, you know, queen mother nurturer of the parks department. And, you know, Ron, Ron's included in that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, from here, it's the next day at city hall. Uh, I believe we're at the shoe shine stand and, we see Andy on rollerblades, which I just love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that's funny enough, just as is case closed. Uh, but we see yeah. um we see April walk by, but she doesn't stop. And Andy kind of waves her down, waves her down. It's like, hey, you know, you you, you wanna you wanna watch me rollerblade in the parking lot after work? Cause I'm kind of good though. I'm okay. I was good 70 pounds ago. Uh <laughs> which been there or done that. But yeah, no um and April kind of it feels like April blew him off a little bit. It says, you know, I'm, I'm busy. Um, and this made me wonder if, if she has to like in the past, I've assumed she's gone by the shoe sign stand because she wanted to engage Andy mm-hmm. here. I get the impression she didn't really, cause she's got, working through this conflict in her head. I'm wondering now if she has to pass through this way as part of her job and it's unavoidable. That that's my guess, but I think that part of her job usually doesn't involve her sitting down in the shoe shine stand seat and hanging out with them. But I think you're right. I think her natural course of the day probably takes her by there. Gotcha. Yeah. Um so yeah, it, it seems like and Andy is a little disappointed at this. He's a little confused like gosh, well this what's what's happening? Like we used to be tight and like you kind of give me the business here what's going on. Um so April is clearly conflicted at this. Um the other part of the scene is um, kind of a nice ending to, yeah. to the, to the Ron Leslie thing. So Ron walks into Leslie's office uh, that next morning there and, and he sees her eating uh, of all things, a Nutra yum bar at her desk. And apparently she skipped breakfast and Ron kind of shakes his head and goes, look, I'm going to take this. And he picks up the tray of remaining yeah. uh, Nutra yum bars says, I'm going to throw these in the dumpster outside. And like, like Leslie <laughs> goes, idea. okay. And that like, takes her half eaten bar and she kind of tosses it in the, the tray with the rest of them. And he, he starts to walk off and pauses and turns back. And he tells her very simply and sincerely, I am sorry. I have been a horse's ass. And that is the end of what I have to say, you know, very, very Ron like, yeah. but kind of yes. sweet for him. Um, yeah. He, he's, it's a bit of a, you know, he's out on a limb a little bit here for him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Leslie, of course, smiles at him and, you know, accepts his apology, which is sweet. And then he walks out and, and goes to the, the exit door where the dumpster is. And so she calls out of him like, put a coat on. It's freezing outside. And you see just a small shot of Ron pause and he kind of smiles a little bit and shakes smirk, his head. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that, too. I thought that was a good wrap up to that particular Leslie Ron pairing, let's call it for this episode. Right. Well, I think from here, all that's left, Mark, is the kicker. And uh, this is maybe a last little bit of punching bag Jerry before we exit. Oh, my gosh. Th- this is one of my favorite kickers uh, of of all time because it's just <laughs> so it's so stupid, but it's so funny. Jerry is walking through the hallway at City Hall. And all of a sudden we hear what appears to be a disembodied voice. Yeah. Jerry. 
It's the voice of ghost DJ Roomba. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and we and Jerry are trying to figure out like, where the hell is this voice coming from? And, yeah. and, and we as the audience and Jerry look back to the very end of the hallway where we see it turn the corner and we see yeah. something strangely enough, Alan, we see something mechanical uh, whirring across around the corner with this is my favorite part. It yeah. has a sheet draped over it, it and, and, and black <laughs> eyes drawn on it as if it were yeah. a, a six year old in a flimsy homemade yeah. Halloween ghost costume. I love it. And, and it's this, either a Sharpie eyes or, or two cardboard circles, uh, you know, construction paper circles. And I couldn't tell. And and this this thing, this ghost DJ Roomba thing comes out and says, why did you kill me? I'm going to haunt you, Jerry. And Jerry just <laughs> shakes his bed and like, OK, I'm not dealing with these shenanigans. This is, I'm going away. Oh and, and it continues. It continues to follow him. And it says, <laughs> it says, I'm going to follow you and play the black eyed peas on a nonstop loop. <laughs> <laughs> and then it starts playing it oh, cut to credits i love it that's great what a great kicker all right mark well that was a great episode breakdown you know what i think we should take a real quick break and then when we come back we'll basically wrap this one up yep sounds like a plan all right everybody we'll be right back when you start your day each morning with a bowl of sweet sugary mighty bites do you ever pause to consider where all that sweet sugary goodness comes from that, my friends, is the work of a little company called Sweetums. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. Here at their global headquarters in Pawnee, Indiana, we are proud to be the home of our very own Sweetums. Sweetums. If you can't beat them, Sweetums. Founded in 1891, the scientists in the Sweetums labs have spent the last 120 years developing some of the world's most convenient delivery platforms for sugars, carbs, and unnecessary calories. Just ask the people of Baracqua, Pawnee's sister city in Venezuela. To this day, they cannot figure out how we here in Pawnee have managed to fatten our children so much more efficiently than any other children around the world. They are indeed like little basketballs, huge little borkers. The Sweetums product line is varied and vast. I will list some of their offerings now in no particular order. World-famous Yum Bars, formerly known as Nutri-Yum Bars before the court-ordered name change. Fruity Yums, fruit-flavored candy, a single serving giving 1% of your daily vitamin C. Bacon Yums, bacon-flavored candy, of course. Finger Yums, Candy stick-on fingernails. Swimmy yums. Chunks of pan-roasted wild striped bass dipped in chocolate. Poppy pups. Dog bone-shaped biscuits for human consumption. Not to be confused with. Puppy pops. Bagel-shaped bones for dogs. Teeth savers. Sugar-free gum. Tooth fillers. Extra sugar gum shaped like actual teeth, uses directed. Sweetums candy-flavored condoms, our most popular adult-themed hard candy. Try the newest beetle-inspired flavor, Strawberry Feels. And finally, my personal favorite, a regular-sized 128-ounce Sweetums 
Sugar Splash, available exclusively from local restaurant chain Punchburger. Try it. It goes great with value combo number two. As you can see, Sweetums has something for nearly everyone, unless you're a salad-eating hippie health nut. And in that case, go enjoy a leafy meal with your furry friends and leave us normal folks to enjoy the food that God and the Founding Fathers intended. Happy 120th anniversary, Sweetums. Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody. Well, we're back. Well, Mark, I think it's time for us to talk through our first tropes, goof, fun facts, uh, you know, whatever else we decide to throw in that bucket this week. Yeah. Um, you want to kick us off here? Do you, was there anything that stood out to you in terms of maybe first or tropes? Well, you know, Alan, you you seem to do better at this in general than I do. I don't yeah, know why I'm I not agree. observant like you are, yeah. but um, most of most of the, the mailbag we're preparing for next week's episode actually talks about how much better I am at this than you are. But you know, oh, I didn't I want to dwell it. on it. Well, we're actually going to do a spotlight about that. Yeah, um, but <laughs> <laughs> but so I had a couple firsts. Um, and maybe they're kind of gimmies. Uh, and I think there are more than this, but I had two for, so one I are, I already kind of tipped my hand. Uh, we are introduced to DJ Roomba. Oh um, God. And so you know, and then the ghost of DJ Roomba, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but he's resurrected at some point. Well, did you see DJ Roomba after Jerry stepped on him? I mean, he was broken. He was like, a mess. Snapped yeah. and half broken. So even that the fact that the ghost could move quite as well as he did, maybe he's on the mend. It That's what be. I'm hoping. Yeah, I, I do, too, because who doesn't love DJ Roomba? Oh, got to love some DJ Roomba. Um, and then this is also, I think, see, I wasn't sure about this because I didn't know to what degree we saw this actor uh, again. Um, the first time we see NNJ, Nick Newport Jr., I think he comes back. I can't remember, though. I mean, we're going to move into more of the Bobby Newport and see more yeah. Nick Newport Jr. I kind of feel like Nick this Newport is a one and Jr. Done? a little bit or disappeared. Okay. I don't know. We'll get Constantine to look that up for us and so we can report back on that. But yeah. Oh, good. I have okay. the same question. So that so that may not be a valid one. Um, th those are the only. It's definitely the first time we met him and that we met Dakota and Savannah or whatever the crap their names are. Uh, Denver and Dakota. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Montana, whatever. Whatever it takes, Bob. Maine. Big sky country. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, you know, Alan, I can't recall if if maybe there are other Sweetums related firsts other than my alleged first of Nick Newport Jr., which may not even be valid. For me on my list, my official list, I, I had Sweetums on there. I'm not 100% convinced we haven't at least mentioned or that the word Sweetums or the idea that there's a Sweetums out there hasn't been introduced introduced into the universe. It's certainly the first time we've been to headquarters. It's the yes. first time we met Randy, Nick Newport Jr., saw Nick Port Sr. So it's definitely our biggest, our first big deep dive, as you said earlier, into Sweetums. So that, that's a certainty. Right, right. I think yep. we did introduce it. Like, if you remember in Sister City, one of the gifts we gave the Baracqua Venezuela people yes. is the bag of sap. Yeah, great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think that was, <laughs> and he didn't love the bag of sap. I'm still offended no. by that, frankly. No. Yeah. It's no wonder their relations broke down with Baracqua. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Damn State Department. Anyway, um, I the only other first I had here, and and, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to introduce it probably as my first trope. So I'll just transition us from from first to tropes here at the same time. Is Giggly Ron? Um, 
there's a side of Ron that we'll, we learned to we, we get introduced to. And I think this might have been the first episode, maybe, I think so, that we learned to love. It's Giggly Ron. Like when he gets tickled, he's like a little schoolgirl. Um, yeah. He just can't, you know, and and eventually we get the, the giggle laugh and all that, which we didn't quite hear here, but we saw the giggle attitude. Right, right. Yeah. He was just tickled by the uh, the the Oprah the Oprah esque uh, you know damn Denver I swear to God what a little mm. yeah I know I know yeah <laughs> so on the trope list market yeah I had the giggly Ron um, I had um, black eyed peas <laughs> this is the second or third time the black eyed peas have been mentioned the first time that they got mentioned they were mentioned in a positive fashion mm-hmm. but this time and the last time and and they'll be mentioned again. By April, she has this thing against the black eyed peas and they kind of become, you know, because he's going to torture Jerry with it. So it's not a compliment. Well, but see, I see I took it as it's not so much that black eyed peas is a bad thing and that's why it's torture, but rather that Jerry has no musical sense or musical style. And so for him, black eyed okay. peas would be torture. Well, there, there's a line from April in a future episode that was ringing in my head that made me go down my path. But I understand yours as ah, well. Gotcha. And I think they're both valid for sure. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, you know, fat Pawnee was on my tropes list. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're porkers. right. Yeah, yeah po- little porkers. Uh, and you're right. This wouldn't the first for that because uh, our our buddy from Barakwa brought that up. And you know, it's it's hard to miss. You know, yeah, they're, they're the same height and width. I mean, they're little the kids chunkers. are so, yep. yeah, little chunkers, little basketballs. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, you know, the Pawnee's love of just bad food in general, I think, is a qualified trope. Uh, you know, we're gonna see Ponch Burger and a bunch of other stuff mm. in the future. Yeah. Well, in JJ's, I mean, frankly, it's not super healthy. No, no. You add enough whipped cream to anything. It starts yeah. to go beyond the, the healthy uh, dial there. Yeah. Um, How about you? Do, any, any tropes I missed there? Well, I I had um, in the last episode, I introduced what I thought was a new trope. I at least submitted it for the judges and they accepted it. And I called it, you know how I like to acronym these things now. I do. I called it FDR. Food driven Ron. So it, it, it maybe not okay. quite as much as last time, but the fact that he was eating turf and turf, I thought, yeah. uh, okay. I'll, it's I'll, very I'll, Ron. It, yeah. it does seem like that. Yeah. yeah. So I had FDR <clears throat> uh, acronym LIE, L I E, which stands for <laughs> Library is Evil. Oh, uh, you know, just nice, the yes. ongoing feud between Parks Department and the library. It's just fun. You yeah, know, you're right. I, I think I had that on an early draft of my list that I somehow misplaced. And uh, uh, you're exactly right. You have to be more careful. Jeez. Um, and, and then I, I finally had, you know, I put down Punching Bag Jerry. And then I yeah. started to think about, like, well, where did that happen? And I realized there were quite a few times. So, for example, at the very I had beginning of my list, I had four. So we had we had Tom insulting Jerry's sense of style, saying he wears the same soup stained khakis every day. I missed that one. We had April and April and Jerry fighting over amazing versus terrific. Yeah. Jerry stepping on DJ Roomba. I I had that as a PBJ, but only because he's like he's clumsy. So like, okay, let's laugh at him or whatever. And then finally, we like with with. The, go- the, the ghost, ghost of DJ Room were like yeah. running after us. So, so yeah. there was like a lot of PBJ. I liked it. I liked it too. Yeah. That's all I had. And I didn't think any one of them was particularly mean this week. I, I, I always, I'm on a line like a lot of fans of Parks and Rec and fans of Jerry are where it's funny and sometimes they they cross a little bit of line where they're just kind of mean to Jerry. And, right. And and I prefer these where it's a little more in in good spirit and you know no one's being mean to anybody. I don't know. Right. I'm At like, worst, Jerry's a little irritated by it. 
Yeah, yeah. Right, and that's right. fine. Because yeah. we all know he gets to go home to a beautiful wife and a beautiful family, and he's going to have the last laugh. That's what I always come back to for Jerry. Absolutely. Well said. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think as far as tr- uh, fun facts or goofs or anything like that, I didn't really have anything. I did. This, well, maybe a fun fact, I guess, a little bit of trivia. You know, there's that reference by Tom in the cold open to how Justin is kind of, you know, his his is like living embodiment of GQ. I forgot right. how to put it. Right. Right. Um, but, you know, following this and we mentioned this when Justin Thoreau, Thoreau was first on as the character of Justin. Clearly, they gave him that name because he couldn't remember anything outside of his own, you know, his own name. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, you know, he, he, he had a lot of success after this show and was on that show, The Leftovers on HBO and kind of became a sex symbol despite his funky hair and all that, you know. <laughs> but, yep. You know, so there's hope for me and you, Mark. Um, but anyway, He's oddly handsome. Yeah, he is oddly handsome. We did say that. Yep. But he actually. Actually ends up on the cover of GQ magazine later on about three different times, which oh, I wow. thought was kind of funny. It happens years after this reference, though. So is Parks and Rec predicting the future? They might. I mean, like the, the Simpsons. Know. I mean, dear God, all the things the Simpsons did in the 30 years that have come true is kind of crazy. All right. Well, should we move into uh, scoring and then uh, go home? What do you think? Yeah, I'm ready for scoring. Um, what do you think? Uh, should Should I go first or should you go first? Uh, hold on. Constantine. Um, Mark, okay, Mark, Constantine says you should go first. Oh, all right. Well, he is the boss. He said he needs an onion, though. <sighs> I gave him it. All right, I'll give him another one. All right. So, what I like to do, as you know, as is my won't, uh, I like to go through the. <laughs> I like to go through. I, you know what? Character. You know how a swear jar Mark works, right, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have heard of these things, this swear jar you speak of. Yes. Yeah. We're going to have a won't jar here pretty soon. I'm just oh, saying. Dear. I don't yeah. All right, I'm gonna have to get some of those nickels that I own from the other thing. But that's okay. That's fine. Anyway, bag of nickels. The uh, bag of nickels. Um, that's funny. Uh, only to you and I, though. I uh, so the, the, the I the, love inside jokes. I hope to be a part of one someday. <laughs> oh, you are. You just don't know it. <laughs> it's oh, that's even worse. <laughs> Punching bag, Allen. Yep. PBA. PBA. Catch the wave. Um, so the, the story, the first storyline was kind of a Leslie, Ron, and I'm going to say Anne uh, centric storyline. Um, yeah. And I liked each of their characters in this episode a whole, whole lot. So for Leslie, to me, this is my personal preference, my personal opinion. I, this To me, this is Leslie at her best, where she's very smart. She's very savvy. She's very kind. She's very caring. But with a definite side of loopy punk ass book jockeys. Yeah. So, but, you know, it, it, I, I don't personally, I don't care for it when the manic part of Leslie threatens to take over as the majority mm. of her personality. I do like a little bit of it there. Yeah, that's well um, said. I like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I like the way she was in this episode a lot. Um, and for Ron, you know, Alan, anytime an episode focuses on my man crush, Ron, I love it just because because uh, Mirka. I, I thought that this presented some excellent interactions between Ron and Leslie, um, not only on an interpersonal level, but even more interestingly, how their core ideologies clash, you know, and 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 how they deal with that. Um, so, yeah, I really like the interactions. I, I like, you know, giggly Ron. I like, you know, him kind of going into like his beliefs and how much he believes in them, because I think, as we've said before, with maybe the exception of Leslie, he's the one who has the strongest core value system or beliefs probably in the whole department. So it's kind of interesting to see those two clash. Um, 
for Anne, you know, I know it's boring to say, oh, she played the loyal best friend role. I get it. It's it's not anything that's fun or sexy to say, but I thought that she did a good job in this episode as well. I like that Anne took a slightly more important role of being kind of an authority figure, you know, trying yeah. to educate the audience about what's bad for him. So I thought that she did a good job. I'm not a lot of like gut busting well, moments, but no, go ahead. no, that's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, For, for Tom, I, I think that I think Tom acted very Tom-like in this episode, which is not a bad thing, you know, on account of it is very funny, obviously. Um, but we also saw that a lot of this was very much a facade when we saw Sadie was saying his final goodbyes to Wendy. Um, I, I, I thought that uh, Aziz Ansari did a great job in this episode. I thought, you know, a lot of good heart moments, et cetera. Um, April and Andy, I thought that they had some great interactions with each other. And, and from a plot perspective, I think that, you know, the, their scenes definitely kind of advanced that uh, storyline, which is which is interesting to me. I like that when they can kind of advance it and not just have one liners, you know, um, for Mark. I liked Mark as kind of the voice of damn reason, like trying to keep everyone on track. Like everyone around him is kind of crazy except for him, like even Donna in her own way, you know? Um, and and I, in a way, I think that that's a good role for him. Cause I know we've said, Oh, you know, Brendanowitz can be kind of bland from time to time, but I like him in this role. Like it kind of works, you know, it does work. Yeah. It's kind of what he excels at. And I think last week we had some funny moments for him, which were great, but he almost is kind of a foil at, at a, in a way he really works here. Right. Right. Agreed. Um, and then Donna and Jerry, you know, what can I say? They had Donna and Jerry in it and actually quite a bit of Donna and Jerry, which I really appreciated. So that kind of dovetails, I guess, into my scoring. So Alan, I'm going to, my crazy rubric here, I'm going to start off with my base scores. I always do. I'm going to give this, a four for a base score. I, I liked it quite a bit. I thought there were good stories. I thought that the plot moved along and there were a lot of good heart moments. So good, good, solid. Um, I think that I'm going to give it a half point for in general, good use of their comedic, deep comedic bench. I thought that they did a pretty good job in this episode. Um, and I'm going to give another half point as a, as a tip of the hat to their, I'm glad that they made good use of Donna and Jerry. I'm not trying to focus too much on them, but I like it when they're not ignored. They're so funny. And they, yeah. I feel like they add, I mean, just to even have them as, as a background in scenes, can I think you kind of bring it to life, you know? So, yep. so good for them. So half point yep. for that. Um, I'm going to give a half point for the, um, April Andy plotline, particularly having April be conflicted. I know that the judges mm. barely gave this to me as a C story. I get it. It wasn't a huge part of this, but I'm, I'm glad it was there. You know, yeah, it was a real gift to give you that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm going to give a full point to uh, the brief, but funny scene continuing the war between the parks department and the library. Oh. Punk-ass book jockeys. I love so that. Oh, my gosh. I love that. I'm going to give a full point to the awesome, awesome introduction of DJ Roomba. And then, unfortunately, the ghost of DJ Roomba. And then the reanimation of DJ Roomba and son of mm -hmm. DJ Roomba or whatever this is going to go into. <laughs> and then I'm going to give another point, finally, to a, a nice uh, conclusion to this, like, Ron Leslie storyline in this episode. I really like Ron very simply and sincerely apologizing to Leslie at the end. I, I yeah. like when we are reminded how much he deeply respects her despite their ideological differences. That's, that's nice. You know, 
Yep. Um, so you add all those numbers, numbers, numbers up. Uh, you come out with, I scored this one pretty good. It was an eight and a half little Sebastians for me. Really, really solid episode. I thought they did a lot of stuff really well. And I don't think they did too badly at any one thing. It, it scored pretty well for me. So what you got, buddy? I think that's really good. It's a good summary of, of how you got to that. You know, the the fun and crazy Mark rubric, as we like to call it. Um, <laughs> I think it's no it, no spoiler here. If I tell you that's not how I score, um, I always wait till I get your score, decide if I like it or not, and then either add or subtract <laughs> from it. I mean, let's just be honest. That's what really happens. Well, that's now, the Allen rubric. Yeah. I, no, I did come into this with a number in my mind and it's a little different than yours, but not tragically. So, um, you know, I, I'll just, I'll, I'll give my score first and I'll explain why I'll flip it this week. I gave it eight and here's why. Um, it, for me, it was, it was a solid episode. It had all of the elements that I liked in terms of, uh, funny laugh out loud moments, a good, decent plot. And in this case, you know, unlike last week where I think I dinged it a little bit because there was just this one giant, you know, sprawling plot line. Right. Uh, and then the week before that, there were seven mini plot lines. This was a good balance of two, three, according to the judges. Again, I think they were a little too nice to you, but, um, you know, it's the right mix. And it also, in terms of mix, I thought was a good mix of the, the cast and good use of the cast. We yeah. got some good Donna and Jerry time. Not like super duper deep or laugh out loud lines, but Don and her Mercedes, uh, Donna's approval of, of, of Tom's white leather suit. I mean, those are just funny moments, right? And they're, they're character moments for Donna. So that was nice to see great punching bag Jerry moments and the way he rolled with those. Uh, I kind of liked Mark kind of being back in his normal quote role uh, as long as he's going to be in it. You know, Andy had some really funny physical comedy here. Uh, yeah. The rollerblades thing was was really funny. Uh, April, you know, I, I feel like kind of grew a little bit as a character. Yeah. Um, you know, this was an episode where I, I liked some of the deleted scenes. We, we kind of forgot to talk about that. And all I'll say is there, I think there were like 20 or so, maybe 19 and about 10 and a half minutes. So this episode had quite a lot of deleted scenes and there was two or three that I really wish were able to stay in and, and have been as part of the episode that was aired. I don't know what I would have given up to have gotten them and stayed at 21 minutes, but um, I thought there were some extra funny that got cut, unfortunately. And I think if they'd been in there, I probably would have tied you on the eight and a half. Mm -hmm. um, there's just a couple of flat moments in here too. You know, we had a little bit of bouncing back. I liked some of the longer sequences where you're not just jump, 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 jump. Right. We right. did a little bit of that here. Um, so for me, it just, I, I think, it was so close to being an eight and a half. I felt like it fit right in with a lot of the other episodes we've scored at an eight or that I've scored at an eight. So that's where I placed it this week. A solid episode. really enjoyed it. Um, and again, in the Parks and Rec world, an eight's a darn good score. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I, as usual, I like your, I like your explanation. I can't fault an, an eight for the scoring. Um, you know, something that occurs to me, I think we both kind of said here, and this, this reminds me of uh, a quote I had uh, several episodes back from Alan Seppin. Well, you know him, Alan, uh, from the star ledger that basically oh, sure. he, he used to be with Dallas morning news, but then he moved over to star ledger. Well, yeah. Yeah. And then he worked for the daily bugle for uh, J Jonah Jameson. I think, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> sounds right. Yeah. The Spider-Man. So anyway, um, 
he had a nice quote though that I felt kind of summarized what I had described at that point as my two yardstick approach. Like I like the ah. the haha and I like the heart moments that sort of yeah. thing. And yeah. his quote is uh, like the office when it's clicking, Parks and Rec. This you know works on two levels. It makes me laugh a lot. But it also makes me happy to spend time with these characters in their mundane but goofy little world. So, Alan, you and I have said a couple things in, I think, this review of this episode where it's like, you know, like this scene. Was it laugh out loud? Eh, Maybe not. But you know what? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because of the character interaction. I enjoyed it because it moved the plot along. I moved. I enjoyed it because it kind of made me think, like, where are these characters going to go? I'm not trying to get too deep. I know it's a sitcom, but it's nice when it can have that aspect to it. I think we're definitely there with Parks and Rec where a scene can be carried because of the interest of the characters in the plot by itself if there's laugh out moments on top of that even better even better yeah well i think and again you and i've expressed a couple times why we even got into this whole podcast thing for parks and rec and why we chose this show this is one of the reasons i mean yeah you don't see this in other comedies i mean you know leslie had that mix of kind of funny but sweet and nurturing and ron had his mix of you know ronisms and you know uh kind of able but but also being ron but also being open to being convinced of something leslie was talking to him about have giving her you know uh deference to take into to account the way she was feeling and kind of open him up a little bit so uh, those were good moments agreed agreed well said yeah all right well this was a great episode um next week mark i think we're gonna we're going to open up the mailbag again. I think we're going to have mailbag number four. Is that right? Is that possible? It's four or five. I've lost track. We'll have to have yeah. Constantine get on that. Yeah, we'll get on that. And we're going to answer some of your questions. And uh, we're, we'll talk about a few things that have kind of happened to this point in the series. And then we'll be back after that episode with the next episode, episode 16 of season two, Galentine's Day. Oh, I can't wait. That's a good one. Excellent. All right. Well, looking forward to both of those and looking forward to seeing everybody next week. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us.